This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Now, one of the areas the effects of this pandemic were most keenly felt in was the creation of artistic work of any kind. This extends to the various changes we have witnessed in the media space thanks to this pandemic. Many artists and creatives found themselves starting new ventures within the space, like new podcasts. I'll put my hand up over there. I did attempt to start something, didn't quite manage to get it completely consistent going on over the course of the pandemic. That's a story for another time, though. But we saw multiple instances instances of many creatives from different and various disciplines start new ventures like podcasts. You had DJs hosting Instagram Live, DJ sets, content creators starting all sorts of TikTok pages, OnlyFans pages, YouTube pages, and other platforms for content creation. And over the course of time, we've seen many of the creatives who started these ventures not being able, for whatever reason, to follow through and not being able to resume these exploits. Conversely, however, it makes it even more notable When any kind of creative, regardless of discipline, is able to channel their creativity into their exploits of any kind, start and follow through upon those creative exploits in direct spite of the pandemic. One such example is in the form of our next guest at this time, Ms. Kanya Mchali. She works primarily as a writer and has just published and released a book titled It's Not Inside, It's On Top is the title of the book. It explores the cultural impact of some of the more memorable adverts ever produced on South African soil. Barebones fact is South Africans know how to make iconic ads. Brands have influenced and borrowed from television, music, sports, comedy and youth culture in a way that has allowed communication across our diverse peoples. It is sometimes up to them to get it horribly wrong and the book itself is a blend of memoir, criticism and cultural commentary that is fresh, contemporary and informed. She joins us on the COVID report to discuss her process of putting this body of work together in the face of the storm known as this COVID-19 pandemic. Kanye, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, game, and hi to your listeners. Thank you so much one more time for joining us. Now, as an entry to our discussion, can you please talk us through what initially inspired you to put pen to paper and bring this book to life? I basically had this idea of using TV adverts to explore South Africa's very recent history. Now, it kind of came about because I felt that TV adverts were a great medium through which to actually mine some issues that are very well trodden in South Africa. And I felt like it would provide me a kind of fresh framework with which to kind of look at our history, look at things that have happened in the recent past and kind of make some observations about that. So I had this idea for about maybe three years and I got approached by an editor at Tafelberg, which is my publisher. And I just pitched the idea to her and she liked it. And I kind of went about writing the book during a global pandemic, which was awful. (laughs) And in what ways did this pandemic make your work as a writer even more difficult? Did you experience any instances of the dreaded writer's block? And how did you overcome this? It was so, so difficult. And I don't even know if I overcame it per se, because I felt like 
the work that I produced was in some ways a compromise of the original idea. I think this was a book that involved a lot of research and reporting. And those are things that require the work of other people, require you to work with other people. You are dependent on other people. So oftentimes I would interview people or request to interview people and I'd be declined because they didn't have time or they got retrenched or they would be business was put on rescue or I would attempt to access archives but I was told that the archives weren't available on that particular day so it really made the entire process difficult. Never mind writer's block just getting access was a huge stumbling block so I had to find ways to navigate that and the work that I produced on the page was kind of me dancing around these hurdles and attempting to produce something that was coherent. So it was incredibly challenging. I mean, the discipline part, of course, every writer will tell you that it's very hard to just start. But I think some of the other institutional factors really made this a challenge. Indeed, I mean, it can't be overstated the extent of difficulty that is heaped on to writers or any kind of creatives. As I noted earlier in uh, the intro to our lovely discussion here, the ways in which the lack of access can deter the creative to further pursue their creative exploits. But here we are now. You've released this book. It is out there. And as far as everything that you learned over the process of putting this book together during this global pandemic and the ways in which this pandemic has facilitated a shift in the ways in which we consume media and the different types of media we have been consuming over the course of this pandemic. In your view, how do you think these periods of lockdown have contributed to a renewed interest of literature? In, of any kind? Does reading become a form of escapism or even therapy in circumstances like this, in your opinion? And in what ways do you feel vindicated by being able to put such a body of work in literature form together in the face of the circumstances of this COVID-19 pandemic? So to answer your first question, I think for some people, reading has become a form of escapism. And I have to say that the South African literary world has responded to the pandemic phenomenally. I mean, the number of literary podcasts or just social media initiatives where you have people congregating and discussing their love of literature in South Africa on the continent has been really par none. I haven't seen it happen in other parts of the world. I think South Africans, whether it's book clubs on Instagram, whether it's book influencers, encouraging people to get out there and read books, they've done a phenomenal job in terms of really encouraging South Africans to get out there and and read. So I think we've responded to that particular problem very well. In terms of whether I feel vindicated that this work is out there, I think I can't really say yes, because as much as I'm proud of myself for having put something out there during a difficult time and just to have written a book in general, it's it's quite a nice achievement. There are things that I wish I could have done differently. I wish could have been done differently. I think this was an opportunity for many industries, including the publishing industry, to kind of reimagine how we do our work. So I felt like certain processes could have been tweaked. I felt like we could have really given ourselves more time to invest in these books, to make sure that they're properly edited, proofread, line edited, so that the product that comes out in the end is as good as it can possibly be. And I can't really say that for my work. I think 
I feel proud of myself for having completed a task that I set out to do. However, it is slightly disappointing that this period hasn't really pushed the publishing industry to really reimagine the entire system or at least tweak parts of the system to make it more amenable to, you know, not just established authors, but new time writers who want to get in the game. I should imagine that it takes a lot of trial and error to put out such a book. And I do commend you for having worked so hard on it. But uh, just an interesting question I'd like to put forward. What were the standout bits of information for you that you uncovered during your time spent conducting the research that went into writing your book? Hmm, That's a great question. I have to say the first chapter focuses on... Volkswagen adverts and how this particular advert called VWU and Me co-opted some of the labor strikes that were happening on the VW plant in the Eastern Cape. And for me, unpacking the fact that that particular labor movement was co-opted in order to present an image of VW to the world that wasn't true and that, you know, management had essentially stolen the camaraderie and the kind of organizing efforts of the workers to present themselves as better, yet they were also kind of preventing the workers from getting their gains. That for me was incredibly interesting and it really kind of exposed how multifaceted media is. You assume that something looks a particular way when you see it. However, there's so many backstories behind it. That piece of information was incredibly interesting to me and to kind of get a sense of how those strikes came about, the fact that rugby played a huge part in conscience raising at the time was something I wasn't aware of. And to unpack that piece of South African labor history was really a treat. Absolutely. I get the sense that the contents of your book, it's not inside, it's on top, serve as a trip down memory lane for many of the people who are fortunate to pick up a copy and read the book. Because I imagine as they read about the various adverts you cover in the book, a lot of them will be transported back to the time they first saw these adverts on television. And I'm also very interested in the ways in which this book serves as a sort of encarta encyclopedia, so to speak, of further information that substantiates and forms as the backstory behind so many of these adverts that we consider iconic. I mean, for example, the title of the book is not inside, it's on top. It immediately takes me to that iconic Grimora advert. And I'm already fascinated by the prospect of gaining insight into the significance of the advert itself, everything that went into the creation of the advert itself, the insight into the social climate in South Africa at the time, and All that kind of information that makes remembering that advert even more of an experience for the reader. In what ways would you like this book to leave a lasting impression for those who are fortunate to pick up a copy as they read about these adverts that you are covering in the book and everything that went into the creation of those ads? I'm curious because I'm aware that for many writers, code and put the things that they put in their work on purpose with the intent to leave a specific impression on the readers who engage with these bodies of work. So again, I ask, what kind of lasting impression are you hoping to leave on readers who pick up a copy of your book? It's such a tough question to answer because I think I am a writer who really is interested in 
navigating questions that I'm fascinated by. And whether or not that leaves an impression on the reader is beyond me, I think. I feel like you achieve that by exploring questions to the best of your ability, exploring questions with integrity, being critical, being analytical, and hopefully you will leave an impression on a reader. That's a very hard thing to do. You know, you are competing for people's attention. There are thousands of distractions out there. And if someone were to pick up a copy of my book and actually resonate with something or discover something new, that is literally an honor. And I don't mean that in any small way. It's a huge honor because I am in competition with so many things for your attention. But to speak to your point about nostalgia, sure, I mean, I can see why this book would present itself as a trip down memory lane and frankly speaking it's been marketed that way but I'm also hoping to complicate our relationship with nostalgia you know to not just present a series of ads and say oh wow look at the good old days but to kind of get us to think differently about those ads and how we consume media and how we think of advertising and the role it's kind of played in our lives and how it's stood in tandem to television and these other forms of media that we consume, you know, that was the intention for me when I went into this book was to really complicate my relationship with this very popular medium that seemed very ubiquitous when I was growing up. And I've just been listening attentively to you speak so passionately about your book. A question I have for you concerns the title. For someone who enjoys reading like I do, seeing a book with such a title sparks a lot of interest. I mean, as you just mentioned, you are competing for people's attention. And I think in order to capture that correctly, you use a title as a point of departure. So why it's not inside, it's on top? Why did you decide to opt for that title for your book? To be totally honest, I was exploiting people's attachment and memory of that particular advert. Initially, I had suggested the title, but I didn't think that it would make it through copyright, but it did, surprisingly enough. So there was an obvious play on nostalgia. There was an obvious play on sentimentality. But I think I wanted to really emphasize that I was going to use a very accessible form of mass media to delve into parts of our social, cultural, and political history. So, I mean, the title, in my ideal world, I wish the subtitle would have explained what I actually did because memorable moments in South African advertising is kind of vague. Yeah, the title was really a play on nostalgia, really a play on this very popular ad, this very popular tagline that has endured for now close to 30 years, you know? Indeed. And just as a means to put the kibosh on this conversation, I think it is absolutely important and valuable to have any kind of fresh new literature material released, especially when it's conceived and produced in the face of these circumstances. And I think that on its own should entice you listening and your friends and family to go to your nearest bookstore and pick up a copy of the book. It's not inside. It's on top. We've just been joined by the book's author, Ms. Kanyam Charlie, here on The COVID Report, talking to us about her book, which, again, as I said, is available at your nearest bookstore. We talked about the ways in which she tried to complicate our relationship with nostalgia, which I think is a fascinating concept because I, I've always believed that the nostalgia we attach to 
any sort of memories and iconic moments in our lives has the potential to distort our recollection of those moments. There's a potential to cloud everything that went into those moments and everything that surrounded those moments. And I completely and wholeheartedly urge you to get your hands on a copy of this book as and when you can. Kanya, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for shedding some light into the process that you underwent to put this work together. Congratulations on the massive achievement of being able to call yourself a published author, especially under these circumstances. And thank you so much for joining us and talking to us. Thank you to you both. This has been really great. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. That brings us to the close of another edition of the COVID Report. My name has been Ukamilikia Wogwapovana. I've been joined by my lovely co-host Karabo Karabo. What were your biggest takeaways from the conversations we've covered on the show this evening? I particularly enjoyed the first conversation we had with Jamie. My takeaway was that we should approach whatever we consume with a level of skepticism, a healthy dose of skepticism. Because my initial concern was that in this pandemic, we've consumed so much fake news that we actually are not able to tell apart what is true and what is false. So it was a very interesting conversation we had with Jamie and your just approach your news and have that with a healthy dose of skepticism. Do you think that this is a problem we've always had pre-COVID as far as the level of ease that we're swept up by um, any kind of news reports that come to the public service for the public to engage with? Or did it take us going through this pandemic to be able to be aware and to understand the complexities of what's real news and what's fake news? I think so. I do. Because uh, pre-COVID times, I wasn't really listening to the news much. I wasn't reading the news. And now, you know, you get approached with so much. You need to keep updated with what's happening. You need to read the COVID stats per day. So you're approached with a lot of news. And it's just, it's a lot to take in. But just approach it with a healthy dose of skepticism. And it's now become more pronounced, actually, during these COVID times that people feel they're not exactly hearing things from from the correct angles. And you just, you just need to be careful. Indeed, indeed. I think this has reinforced the sheer importance of being able to tap into your critical thinking abilities with any kind of information that you are presented with. I think that one of the things that this period of time and bits of time that precede COVID really has really shined a light on the importance to move away from what I think the kids refer to as hive mentality, where people get so caught up in one singular perspective of information that has been presented that because that perspective becomes dominant, that perspective is then interpreted and understood as fact, when there could very easily be further information and other forms of information that can dispel all of the information that forms part of this hive mentality that I've just referred to. As far as a takeaway for me, I'd say the great takeaway I took from the conversation we just had with Kanya Mchali, the author of the book, It's Not Inside, It's On Top, which explores the cultural impact of some of the more memorable adverts ever produced on South African soil, was the ways in which 
the ways in which the difficulties that are heaped upon creatives of any discipline of any kind in the application and production of their work has made these creatives question the standard of the work they produce. I mean, she spoke eloquently about how she wishes that she could have done so many things differently. She wishes that she could have done many things in putting the book together differently from the way in which she in some ways may have been compelled to do things thanks to the circumstances that we're all living under. And I think that's symptomatic of every kind of creative in the moments that directly follow your work being put out there. I mean, I can speak for myself as a creative. I've had that feeling many times where once I've stepped off a performance stage or once I've released a DJ mix or once I have released creative work of any kind, the thoughts that immediately rush through my mind are, oh, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have tightened that. I wish I could have done this, that and the third differently. But I think also... It becomes equally important not to doubt and not to question the integrity and the honesty with which you put the work together. And I hope any other creative who may be listening to us right now takes that from me as a takeaway that even though the circumstances under which we are creating all this work have presented us with more difficulty, that does not give space to questioning the integrity of your work or the honesty of your work. Are we on the same page here, Karabo? We are. We certainly are. And I feel when you're going into the creative space, you will have a lot of doubts and you'll feel like there's an element or or a lack of know-how. But I mean, I'm speaking for myself here. I thought that the lockdown was an incubation period towards my self-actualization. I had to sit down and think about what I wanted to do post-lockdown. I mean, we're still in lockdown and I feel like I'm inching, with each passing day, I'm inching closer to the goals that I set for myself. Absolutely, indeed. Now, if you've missed this or any of the other conversations we've had over the history of the COVID report, we politely urge you to visit our website, www.vowfm.co.za. Alternatively, you can visit Apple Podcasts to find everything you need from the COVID report in podcast format. Karabu and I will be back tomorrow evening for another edition of the COVID report. Until then, from us to you, please continue to keep yourselves safe. Please continue to wash and sanitize those hands. Please continue to wear your masks. Please continue to practice social distancing as and when you can. And most importantly, please continue to support the COVID report. Again, from Karabu and myself, it's goodbye. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or stream by www.vafm.co.za.